I'm going to invite Dr. Bauer up, who's going to share with us this morning. Doctor. Matt, thank you. Good morning, brothers. Good morning, sisters. Blessings on us all this Lord's Day as we enjoy the Lord's sweet fellowship with one another. Welcome to our guests as well, family and friends who are here with us today to share in song and praise of our loving God and Father. The readings today are rich and deep and terrifying and fantastic. Sacrifice, trances, clouds, and smoke, and fire. Faith spoken and nations begotten. Climbing mountains with Jesus. Speaking without knowing what you're saying. Silence in the face of God Almighty. I want to run and hide after I read these readings. Maybe find a bagel. But then there's the second reading. And Paul has a word for those who pay attention to their stomachs more than God. They meet their destruction. <laughs> I'm doomed. I am afraid of God. I'm afraid of his might, of his holiness, of his ownership over everything, of his meekness, of his silence, of his tenderness. Brothers and sisters, I am afraid of God. So what am I doing here today? I'm not giving a sermon. I'm not sharing a treatise or much theology. I don't have the training to speak from such authority about these things. I'll tell you what I'm doing. Even though I'm afraid of God, I'm going to share a word of encouragement as your brother in Jesus. From one sinner to another. You know what I'm saying? Let's go back for a minute to these terrible scriptures. They lead us actually to a marvelous place where we can contemplate the, father, the fatherhood of our God who loves us, frightening as he may be in our heart of hearts. In Genesis, God walks with Abraham. He takes him outside his tent and has him marvel at the stars. When Abraham puts his faith in the Lord, faith that what the Lord tells him will be done will be done, God gives Abraham the credit and calls it righteousness. That's amazing. That's holiness. Putting our faith in the Lord is holiness. From this entrustment to God comes a growth in holiness that leads to a covenant and incredible fertility. How about the psalm? In the Lord we have nothing to fear. David says, he is my life's refuge. David knows, deep, deep down, that he doesn't deserve the Lord. So he begs to be heard, to be pitied, and then without shame flees to the Lord for his very presence. The concluding verse is this, 
I believe that I shall see the bounty of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord with courage. Be stout-hearted and wait for the Lord. In Paul's letter, he tells his brothers and sisters in Philippi that our citizenship is in heaven and that we wait with confidence on the Lord who will change our lowly bodies to conform to him because he has subjected all things to himself. Now that's a word of encouragement. Don't worry about your appetites. Don't despise the cross, but wait on the Lord who has authority over everything. Yeah. And then we get to the transfiguration. Sisters and brothers, I have to admit to you that transfiguration is a bit much. I know and believe that Jesus is the Lord and that Moses and Elijah are his brothers, the law and the prophets. But seeing it happen, that's why James and John fell asleep. It was a bit much for them too. Have you ever been tempted to fall asleep when Jesus was calling you to prayer and was on the verge of revealing something big to you? Yeah, I understand. You realize suddenly that you were sleeping and you wake up just in time to see the tail end of what you should have been paying attention to all along. Imagine how those guys felt. No wonder Peter was searching for words. Oh, this is good. Uh, can we stay here for a while? I'll even build a building. Sorry I missed the last half hour. And then the cloud comes, and they enter it. More like the cloud comes and devours them. And get this, it says to them, this is my chosen son. Listen to him. How many of us want to be given a lesson in that fashion? Listen to what the three apostles do. They fell silent and did not at the time tell anyone what they had seen. I'll bet it took a while for them to have the words and the courage to share that in small group. The whole point of the experience on the mountain is this, knowing that Jesus is God's beloved and listening to him. That gets us to the point of this talk. I believe in God the Father, the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. God is our Father. We are his children. Jesus is God's Son. And in him, we have access to the Father who loves us. This is true particularly in our sin, in our shame, in our brokenness. In fact, there is more. Because of Jesus, we are given the grace to be his children, to be sons and daughters of righteousness, to be strong, hopeful, and courageous, beautiful and joyful, peaceful and meek and loving and faithful. When we call God our Father, we say many things. Importantly, we confess that God is the author or the origin of all things, like we prayed together. All that is in existence is in him, 
Importantly, for each of us, our lives have their origin in him. In fact, we are loved by him even before we were conceived. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. The term father also evokes the intimacy of a parent. For us to use the same term that we use for our own parents implies trust, dependency, and deep love. The catechism takes some time to develop the richness of the meaning of father following the pattern from the creed. We recognize that God also transcends the image that we have from our parents, from father and mother. Thankfully so, because I'm not a great image of God Almighty in front of my children. They learned that difference early on. Finally, when we say God is Father, we are also saying that he has authority over everything. He is the Father King, the King of the universe, and all mankind is under his dominion. So how do we come to know God, our Father, who is awesome and terrible, who smites the Egyptians and the Amorites, who parts the waters, who sounds the deep, who commands the Leviathan? Is this really possible for us? Our scriptures tell us we can by knowing his Son. Jesus is the Son who reveals his Father in a new way. In Hebrews it says, In times past God spoke in partial and various ways to our ancestors through the prophets. In these last days he spoke to us through a son, whom he made heir of all things and through whom he created the universe. Jesus is the word through which all things came to be, and he is the life that is the light of the human race. If we want to see, we shall see clearly through the light of Christ. If we want to know our Father, we have to come to know Jesus. Paul says of our relationship to the Father in Colossians, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind because of evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through his death to present you holy, without blemish, and irreproachable before him, provided that you persevere in the faith, firmly grounded, stable, and not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Matthew's gospel is particularly rich in teachings from Jesus about our Heavenly Father. Jesus is frequently referring to his Heavenly Father and how to relate to him. He tells us that his Father is our Father too and that our Father sees everything we do in secret and is particularly pleased when we spend time with him privately, with the door closed, so that our love for him alone may be revealed. He tells us, too, that all our needs are provided for. Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more important than they? Your Heavenly Father knows that you need food and clothing and drink. The Sermon on the Mount continues and assures us that our Father in Heaven is interested in giving good things to those who ask Him. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. 
Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Is this teaching trustworthy? As solid as stone. Jesus concludes this tender sermon with this. Everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. Let's sit with this. Let that sink in for a moment. Thinking of your life, think of the plows that you have your hands set upon. Or many plows. This is your work. And you have work to get done. This is the Christian life. Fidelity to the daily commitments the Lord has given us. And in them, I myself have encountered a risk yet of loss. And the risk I have found is within me. I have been a Christian my whole life. Thank the Lord there has not been much of it that has been spent without the fellowship of other believers. I've seen the hand of the Lord in my life, and I have grown in confidence about the gospel and about many things. Some of you know that my inheritance is partly French through my mother, so it's only natural that I have grown in confidence. I'm the type of guy who has his hand on many plows and thinks he knows what he's doing with them. You probably know where I'm going with this. I believe I know what I'm doing. I think I know what I need to do. I, without a doubt, know what my kids need to do. I might even know what you need to do. I'll tell you where this has landed me. On my knees and in counseling. <laughs> Looking back, I can see things I can see things where I have relied on myself, thought about God, and dismissed him. Familiar with the Christian life, I have duped myself into thinking I can be a Christian myself, like by myself. Of course, there are a number of obstacles and things and experiences I have wrestled with in the interior landscape of my heart. But the simple matter of the fact is this. When I think I know how to handle things without relying on the providence of our loving Father, without leaning into the mediation of Jesus, things start to fray, break, and just plain get buggered up. I mean really buggered up. Like buggered up to the point that there is real suffering. And I never intended any of it to get buggered up. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Been working hard and no fruit, or I can't recognize the fruit. You know that story in the gospel where Jesus walks past the fig tree and wants to enjoy its fruit, and finding none, curses it. We spoke about that just a little bit ago. Jesus does have grace enough for us to bear fruit. 
Jesus is our brother, and he is at our side, inviting us to get out of that single yoke we're harnessed to and hitch close to him. My yoke is easy, he tells us, my burden light. He tells us with encouragement, deny yourselves, take up your cross, and follow me. And he shares with us gentle words about his Father with us, whom none of us has ever seen. He loves us with an abiding, reckless love. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the ninety-nine in the hills and go in search of the stray? And if he ever finds it, amen, I say to you, he rejoices more over it than just the ninety-nine that did not stray. In the same way, it is not the will of your heavenly Father that one of these little ones be lost. Sisters and brothers, he is speaking to us. We are his little ones. We always have been. When we realize that we have erred and are tired of the ruts we find ourselves in, and come back to the Father with lament, asking for admittance into his house, this is what he has for us. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He takes the fattened calf and slaughters it, rejoicing that we have come back to life and that we have been found, that we have been found by his love, you know what it is to be found by the love of God? Joy. These are Jesus' words for us. The same brother who is encouraged by Moses and Isaiah to look his passion boldly in the face, his own face shining like the sun. The same brother who tells us that our relationship is of brotherhood and sisterhood with him and not of servitude that because of him we are able to call God our Father and that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence because of his sacrifice on our behalf. I'd like to conclude by reading the conclusion of Jesus' prayer before he is arrested. See, speaking of, of his disciples to his Father, he prays, Father, they are your gift to me. I wish that where I am they also may be with me that they may see my glory that you gave me, because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world also does not know you, but I know you, and they know that you sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will make it known that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Our Father has created us in love. He has always loved us. He has rescued us from pride and sin through the humility and sacrifice of his Son. He has told us about himself by showing us in Jesus what being a child to him means. Through Jesus, he has restored us to himself and even more. Through the command of Jesus and the action of his spirit, he has commissioned us to bring others under his fatherly care today, 
and for always. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. That is really great.